This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm Mark Amtower. I'm here today with my longtime friend, Marsha Lindquist of Granite Leadership Strategies. And I'm, I'm going to let Marsha do her own, uh, own background here, but I will preface this by saying she is one of the lucky two-time hitters here. She's a fellow at APMP and a fellow with NCMA. And I got to tell you, Marsha, I don't see that very often. Thank you, Mark. I'm so thrilled to be here today because we got a lot to talk about, Mark. So let me just say my background goes back over 30 years. I won't tell you how many exactly because it doesn't matter. But I consider myself to be a business expert in government contracting, specifically with respect to pricing and anything that, as I like to say, has to do with the money Part of government contracting. Um, I've written a groundbreaking number one Amazon best-selling book called Secrets of Strategic Pricing for Government Contractors. And in it, I like to tell people the wisdom of strategic pricing that I have experienced for federal proposals over those 30 plus years. In addition to the NCMA fellow and the APMP fellow. I'm also an APMP professional, which is the highest certification you can get. And uh, in addition to that, I am a future of pricing honoree by ProPricer. And I I work right now mostly with with small and mid-sized government contractors, Mark. But uh, probably a couple of times a year, I get called in to uh, lend some guidance and wisdom on pricing strategy for some of the bigger corporations, not only in the Washington, D.C. area, but around the world. And I also like to hear about my clients who win. I love for people to win awards. And it's harder than most people. They make it harder than it needs to be, Mark, okay? I like to change the way people look at government procurements. I am talking a lot in this book about the things that people don't talk about. They're secret. They're like behind the curtain, Mark. And I decided to bring it out into the open. Let's take it out where it belongs in open discussions. And a lot of contractors won't do that. They'll kind of hide and not talk about a lot of pricing stuff. And I like to talk about it extensively, Mark. And I like to I write about it, not only in this book, but I like to lead my clients' cost proposal volumes so that I can do some things that are different than just the average bear. I like to bring some innovative and creative things to presenting the pricing that maybe some companies haven't thought about, Mark. Okay. The, you know, there, there's a couple of things I want to point out here. I, I did not know about the pro pricer. 
I'm not surprised about the APMP professional. And I know, again, how, how few people actually migrate up there. APMP has tens of thousands of members worldwide, and only a very small percentage make it to the APMP professional. But, you know, I, I also know that, uh, that um, on LinkedIn, I measure somebody's penetration into the GovCon arena by how many connections we share. And you and I are just a hair below 500 shared connections on the market. Um, and we also share uh, four groups. One, one that everybody should share with us is Carl Dixon's oh, business yeah. development capture proposal management and writing from captureplanning.com. I mean, Carl, uh, you know, Nick, <laughs> Nick Wakeman refers to me as a gadfly. If I'm a gadfly, Carl's a gadfly. We're both experts in what we do. Um, but, you know, and I'm pretty prolific. Carl leaves me in the dust as far as yes. how much stuff he puts out. <laughs> he does. He puts out quite a bit. And I follow him and I I, I hold him up as uh, as I do you as being quite the authorities in this space, you know. Well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm honored that you put me, uh, on, on that, that tier, but you're there yourself, number one, but I, I want to, you know, I'm always curious as to why people do books. It's, it's, it's weird, you know, and Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll appreciate this. When I wrote government marketing best practices back in 2005, I researched on Amazon to see, you know, what my competition was. The only book I could find within the last decade of that was Carl Peckinpah's book on <laughs> proposals from right. like 1996. Um, right. And nobody's going to remember Carl except for you and me. <laughs> I know. I've been around a little while, but he's been out there, right? Yeah. And when I... I sat down to write this book. I don't mean to launch into why I wrote this book, but when I sat down to write this, I hesitated for a couple of years because I thought, well, no, A, no one wants to hear about all this stuff that everyone thinks they know. That was number one. Number two is if I write everything that I know, and I couldn't cover it in this book, by the way, um, then no one will need me to help them to consult. And nothing could be further from the truth. The more I decided, uh, I thought about it, the more I thought, if I put this stuff out there, then people are going to read it and may be able to take some actions that I want them to take to succeed. But the other part about it is no one was talking about it. There is nothing out there on pricing on federal contracts. Every now and again, I see an article on LinkedIn, but you're right, there's no book. There's no book. And so I said, okay, I'll make a groundbreaking book. We'll start. And of course, I'm writing my second book. So, you know, I'm moving on because as I wrote this one, there was more than I could put into one book. But the reason I wanted to write this is that pricing must no longer be relegated to the backroom whispering. Pricing for government contracts is strategic based thinking communicated openly, widely, and continuously. I think we need to say goodbye to the days when pricing 
can be successfully conducted at the end of the proposal process. Now it's before and during the process, and in terms of supporting the price and thriving within the award dollars, it has to happen long after the fact too. Pricing has to be part of the capture and proposal process, not just, oh, by the way, we're finished with the technical, go price this proposal, see you later. Okay? Yep. So yeah. I wrote it because I'm trying to make changes to people's thinking. I'm trying to change executives into thinking that we need to be involving pricing sooner because if we do strategic pricing, and we're going to talk about that too, then maybe we stand a better chance of increasing our win rate. And that's what I want for people. That's cool. Um, I, I, I need to uh, mention one thing here. You know, the, the, what you said about teaching people, you know, some of the basics of pricing, getting it out there, you know, government marketing best practices and, and even selling to the government doesn't cover uh, things that aren't known by marketing professionals. Okay. So there's no surprises in either of those books. Lissagor and I, uh, Mike Lissagor and I put out a book earlier this year, um, you know, uh, how to win in the government market, but it was, it was essays that both of us had written. Most of what I write is not for practicing professionals unless they need reminders. Okay. So yep. a lot of, a lot of what you write is for practicing professionals because they probably haven't considered everything that you're bringing to the fore in this book. And two, I'll make one important point. This book is, is for seasoned, experienced government contractors. The pricing oh. concepts are sophisticated and targeted to those who already are conversant in government contracting. When I talk about some of these concepts with people who are new to this business, they, their eyes glaze over. They don't know that there's more to pricing that goes beyond wrap rates and profit, which is always my coin phrase. Okay. Now I will say this. I did put one chapter in here on indirect rates because as I sat convalescing from something, I thought I need to give something to the people who really, really want some basics. So I wrote that chapter for those people to not only explain stuff, but give them the tools to know where they have the latitude in government contracting to work on those indirect rates, Mark. Yep. Yep. So um, I'll, I'll do one shameless plug here. Uh, government marketing best practices too is coming out uh, in October. Uh, but this time I did not write it by myself. I wrote it. Uh, I asked 12 of my best friends to contribute articles with me. So it will be a lot more in-depth than uh, than my previous works because I'm drawing on my brain trust, and you didn't need to do that. So <laughs> that's you, perfect. <laughs> you are a brain trust. Uh, we're going to take you. a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm returning with Marsha right after this, and we are going to take a deep dive into secrets of strategic pricing for government contractors. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with uh, Marsha Lindquist. 
uh, of Granite Leadership Strategies, find Marsha on LinkedIn. Uh, reach out to connect, especially connect with her if you are a government contractor and you need, and, and I think everybody needs advice on the the bidding side of things, particularly on the pricing side of things, which this book covers in extraordinary uh, depth. And I, I, I want to start by, by uh, you know, your your opening chapter is is something that we need to discuss. What is strategic pricing anyway? Mm-hmm. And I and I put that in there because a lot of people will say pricing's pricing, Marcia. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But if you want to be strategic about what you price and how you do it, then you need to consider everything that belongs in the tent. What do I mean by that? Okay, in chapter one right out of the box. There's a graphic in there that addresses an anatomy of a winning pricing strategy. What It's very complex and it addresses all of the things. So pricing strategy is various decision processes and deliberate actions that you as a company and an executive team make to take into consideration various components of, of things that you need to gather data you need to gather, uh, things that you need to decide, and also the value proposition that you bring. All of that puts into a big cauldron of mix that that circles around the strategy that you have in order to come up with your price. Is now, that why is that why the graphics a circle? Yes, exactly. I, I I mean I had I was trying to figure out how I was going to portray it, but that seemed to catch it very, very nice. It's, it's, okay? it's great. And everything's there. Well, I didn't intentionally because it's a very complex pricing strategy is a very complex thing. It's not like you take the forms, you fill out the numbers and you throw it over the transom at the government. There are a lot of things that go into working a pricing strategy so that you come up with the right answers that get you to a winning price. Now, I will say this. A winning price is not only cost, right? It's all about the customer, the value that proposition that you bring, and the dollars associated with that value proposition. You you have to consider your competitors, the decisions you have to make about, you know, for example, and we'll launch into some of this, do you have to get a new facility, as an example? Those are the decisions you have to make. You have to assess your risks. It's wise for you as a contractor to consider if you've got any investments that you want to make in this particular project that you're bidding. And it comes up with, you then put that all into the mix to come up with what what strategically are you going to do? And you got to throw in a little bit of wisdom. In other words, you know, just it's it's not just one person sitting there coming up with the price. It is a team of people that involves everything from executive management, business development management, capture, finance, uh, facilities, engineering. It's very complex. And you have to have the right pricing person involved in every step of that way. So strategic pricing is the various actions that you need to take, and I will say this, early on in the process in order to come up with what you need to do to come up with the right price, okay? Um, 
And then I do have another graphic in here that I love. It's my favorite. I refer to it as the cake graphic. Um, it's in chapter one. And it looks like it looks like a cake uh, because that's what I thought of it as. Okay. Why would you want to come up with a strategic pricing approach? There are benefits to doing that. For example, you win more right out of the box, right? And why would you do that? Because you want to be able to win more, spend less, <laughs> conserve your, your B&P costs, right? You want to make sure that you get to a price that wins, okay? And you don't want to do that three days before you're about to submit the price to the government. That's what a lot of contractors do. They make emotional decisions about the price and they do it at the last minute. So if you if you get involved with your pricing early, Mark, then then you have all the chances of winning. Better chances of winning, shall I say, okay? So strategic pricing involves many different things, many layers of people, and it involves you backing it up and doing it over the right amount of time. Okay. I had a conversation. Actually, we did a presentation the other day, uh, uh, part of uh, Government Marketing University's activities. We we were talking about the uh, uh, the marketing process starting well before the RFP as well. So there's a lot of parallels here. So if you're a marketing or BD person, if you're a BD person listening to this, pay very careful attention. But if you're a marketing person listening to this, there's there's number one, get the book. Number two, there there's there's gonna be a lot to learn from Marsha as we proceed. So is there is there anything else about strategic pricing you want to bring up before we, uh, I mean, there was a couple of things in here that, that really got my attention, like the, mm -hmm. the early pricing involvement. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't say enough about that, Mark. Okay. Early pricing is critical to winning. Okay. Why is that so? Because if you're involved early enough in the process, Mark, then you have a better chance of, for example, dealing with your teammates whether you're a sub or a prime, doesn't matter, all right? They get involved with your teammates early and often, as I like to say. You know, have conversations with them about their philosophy of pricing. You know, the winners that win contracts take time in the capture stage of development of an opportunity to discuss the purposeful and important decisions that drive your price that shape the winning price, that support the winning price, and tell an important story about why it is the winning price. You can't do that unless you start early on in the process. If you start early on in the process, then you can get price to win information. You can design internal scenario models. You can discover that the initial solution that your technical team has come up with is too expensive, for example. I love that part because a lot of times your technical team is blue skying and I want this and that and the other thing. And that's great. But, you know, how is the management going to decide whether that makes any sense unless you actually price those early uh, technical solutions and put it in front of executive management? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But the great thing about that is 
that if you start to put that price in front of management early, then they're not shocked at the last minute. Oh my God, uh, we got to get to $120 million and we're at $180 million, you know, or whatever the number is. But you can take the time to assess what needs to be done, Mark, if you do it early. Okay, so basically what you're saying is, you know, the more bells and whistles you you try to add to something, you're, uh, there's, there's costs associated with everything. Absolutely true. And it may not be what the customer cares about or even wants. Yeah, un- understanding the relevance of of what the customer's looking for is a message that we drive home and I drive home with my clients when we're talking about the marketing issues. Yes, you can talk about your expertise and this, that, and the other, but if the if this isn't what the customer wants, who gives a damn? Right. And and then why price it in there? All you're doing is driving the price up. Yep. And your and your executive management ought to know what those little bells and whistles that you're talking about mark cost. Uh, one one would hope they do. So uh, uh, you had one other phrase in here that I really, really liked. Uh, the last minute Hail Mary across the board price cuts. <laughs> one of my favorite things, Mark. And I put it in there because how could I say this? I have been the subject of that. Um, I have watched other people do it repeatedly. Even if you have management in the boat with you, rowing towards the shore, right? Yes, we all agree that it ought to be $120 million, right? And pretty soon you get to that last green team pricing review, just about when everyone else is on gold team. And suddenly someone says, I don't like the price. We're going to cut it 10%. It's truly a Hail Mary pricing effort. You are, if you don't do have the price to win, then you are guessing. And the Hail Mary approach does not win. It, it ultimately has the potential for making mistakes and being the wrong decisions for the company. You may not be able to make the same profit margins that you would enjoy if you didn't do that when you make a Hail Mary pricing decision at the end. Cool. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm talking to Marsha Lindquist about her book, The Secrets of Strategic Pricing for Government Contractors. Uh, I can't say this enough. If this is not in your library, uh, fix that and get it there quickly. Um, It's a great book. Mine is very thoroughly tabbed already, and I've only gone through it once. So uh, Marsha and I will be back right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Marsha Lindquist. We're talking about her new book, The Secrets of Strategic Pricing for Government Contractors. This is your first book, isn't it? Uh, it, it is in this government contracting space, yes. Okay. Uh, and, and you did say you were working on a sequel already. I am. It'll, it'll add on. It doesn't replace it. Cool. All right. So uh, so let's take a, a dive into strategic pricing process secrets. Okay. So what exactly are these? So winning contractors have a pricing process that they follow each and every time, Mark. 
just like if you follow a process to develop the technical proposal that's the same every time, then you don't leave anything out, okay? You may not do some everything that's in that process, but you at least touch the pad, okay? And if you have a pricing process and you follow it every time, then you're not missing anything. There's no, oops, geez, we forgot to do, you know, X or Y. You follow the process that allows you to go from point A to, to the end, okay? Now, I break it down. In the book, I break it down in this chapter on process um, uh, secrets into pre-RFP, or some people refer to it as capture stage, RFP stage, and what I refer to as the evaluation and award stage. It's basically follows pretty much what most business development activities will follow. And in the pre-RFP stage, and there's a good visual in here too. I tried to put visuals in here for people. You got who, a lot of good ones. I like pictures. There are a lot of people who like pictures. So I tried to, to take some of the dense text and convert it to a picture because I thought it would be easier for people. So in this pre-RFP stage, there's a lot that you could be doing about pricing, right? You're working side by side by the uh, people who are doing the technical development. Remember, the RFP is not even out yet. You know you want to go after it. Again, you're doing early pricing activities that we just talked about before, okay? And in this stage, you're doing things like um, gathering data on pricing, gathering data about your customer, your competition, but you're also gathering data about yourself. In other words, you know your business baseline, hopefully. You've set that out every year. Okay, but then you're taking it and you're tweaking it. You're doing the things that will let you know how you can change or be creative with your accounting and pricing to make this particular bid a better bid. You're talking to your teaming partners, Mark. This is a very important thing. There's a lot you can do with your teaming partners that most contractors don't do or avoid doing. Of course, you're doing it once you have a teaming agreement signed but you're having preliminary discussions about pricing. You may even be getting some preliminary pricing from them, but you're, you're conducting and, uh, um, those meetings and holding relationship building things that mean that when it comes time to sharpen your pencil, you can say to your partners, eh, we gotta have you cut here, okay? It, it, it's something that will allow you to be a lot more communicative with your teaming partners. You're going to come up with some initial strategies that you may want to consider. Um, you even have a chance to maybe change the RFP from a pricing standpoint. Then the other part is that the big meat and potatoes is when you launch into the real RFP or you have a draft RFP, right? You're doing BOEs, you're doing data requests, you're, you're, you're shaking and moving here on the various pricing strategy components that we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, that you got to put in front of your management. Management ha needs time to consider some of these. So you're going to be doing some of that in the pre-RFP stage and some of it during the RFP stage as well. Um, you're also participating in reviews of the technical proposal. If you're a pricing person and you don't read the technical proposal, shame on you. 
you're going to find out things when you read that technical proposal that'll shock you that you didn't put into your pricing. I find this to be true almost every single time, Mark. Okay. You're also participating in color team reviews. One of the process things that I like to talk about is green team reviews. Green team reviews are a review of the pricing itself. I place a minimum uh, on my clients of three pricing reviews. Three, not one, not at the end. It needs to be in the pre-RFP stage, during the RFP stage, and before you submit at, at a minimum mark. Sometimes, sometimes if it's a big procurement, I like to do more. The more you can put the pricing in front of your executives and the technical team that care about it, the better chance you have of really honing in on the price. And then I will tell you, there's a lot you can do once you have submitted it. You send it off and you go, okay, now it's time to work on the next one or it's time to take a week off, whatever it happens to be. You examine your pricing strategy again at that stage to make sure that what you agreed to do in your pricing is what you want to continue to do if you're asked questions or you get to submit a final pricing offer. You also build the audit file. You make sure that you have everything in there so you can answer the questions that any evaluator or auditor will ask you, okay? Um, Mark, I will tell you, in at the end of chapter three in this book, there is a link for people to go get three complimentary checklists that I have out there that they can download and use. And one of them is a checklist for strategic pricing process secrets. Another one is proposal process secrets. Another one is uh, the, all of the items that I have in the chapter that we're going to talk about in a few minutes on the secrets. So I give it to you because I want you to, I want you to succeed. So in there, you're going to be able to know what you need to do in order to substantiate your pricing and also get uh, ready for auditors or reviewers as well as government discussions. Those are going to happen and you have to be able to respond to those quickly. So I give you all of those checklists, everybody who's listening, so that you can get it. But you got to get the book to do it because I give you the code in the book at the end of chapter three. I'm even giving you a clue where it is. Well, you know, give give it away, lady. Um, I do. <laughs> um, all right. Um, anything else on the uh, on the process secrets? No, I think we're good. We're good. Okay. Well, then then we're going to take a break early this time, and we'll come back and discuss um, the the. Uh, the strategic pricing secrets to stand out your pow in pricing you're okay. listening to amtower off center on the federal news network the secrets of strat strategic pricing for government contractors is available at amazon probably anywhere you order books online uh if there are other places that you order books online uh i again i strongly suggest you get it this this is a great book for anyone involved in government contracting, um, obviously those involved in BD capture and pricing, 
but um for for anybody in the market you know the education in this book is is extraordinary i'll return with marcia right after this welcome back to amtower off center on the federal news network i'm here with marcia lindquist author of the secrets of strategic pricing for government contractors uh, I misspoke at the end of the last chapter. We're not going to go to put the power in pricing until the end of this segment. We're going to talk about the strategic pricing toolbox secrets uh, right now. So uh, what what is in your toolbox, Marsha? Yeah, I love that part. You know, I, I wanted to put a toolbox right at the top of this chapter. Um, there are 27 tools that I describe in this chapter in detail that you have at your disposal government contractors that you can consider whenever you're doing a bid now i will tell you like i said before at the end of chapter three there is a link for complimentary uh, checklists and this is one of them there is a strategic pricing tools checklist so that you don't have to write them all down or put them someplace you can go get that in a download and you can say for each bid, do I want to consider this or not? Hopefully, you consider it every single time. I'm going to hit a couple of highlights here, Mark, okay? Well, I'm, I'm going to cheat and tell people that the uh, the power pack is on page 116. So when you buy the book, uh, Just if you go want there. to do the downloads, you got the you got the download code uh, and the URL. So so go ahead, take it take it back. Okay. Cool. So my favorite tool, there are a lot of favorite tools in here. Every single one of these is really a favorite of mine. But I can't emphasize enough number three and number four. Competitive assessment is one of them. Um, And the other one is price to win. Now, how do you get competitive assessment information? You subscribe to search services like uh, GovWin or Defense and Aerospace Competitive Intelligence Service, DACIS. Mm-hmm. Those are two that are just, you know, out there, Mark. I would um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my friends at uh, Bloomberg Government. Of Eagle. course, of course. Um, I couldn't mention everybody, so I, you know, I'm sure. not remiss in, yeah. in not doing it. But if you don't know about your competition, then you are, you're cutting off your knowledge of what it is that you need to really work on for your strategy. You have to know about your competition. You need to know what they are likely to do. Now, I will say that you also must get price to win information. Price to win is not a number. It's a range. Okay. You, you will not only know what that range will be, but in that range you will, and you can do it yourself. Companies do have people who are devoted to doing price to win, okay? But there are people who outsource that kind of information. People who do pricing like I do, do not do price to win activities because I consider it a conflict of interest. Price to win is externally focused. It's focused on the customer. It's focused on the competition. It's focused on the marketplace. I am focused internally on what we need to do in this checklist to get to the right price. Price to win is very important because some companies do both a top down, which is they take a look at historical spending on the existing program and see where the price changes may happen, 
or they do a bottom-up analysis of the potential competition and uh, and take a look at what the components may be. Okay. Another one that I like to talk about that's in can here. I, can I mention one thing about P price to win? Please. I I love the fact that you open it with a quote from Sun Tzu. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I actually like reading some of that. So there you go. I, I have little... I have three different versions of the Art of War, and I prefer the Clavel version. Ah, as, now as I might have aside. to go get another one. I might have to get another one, Mark. Okay. One of the things that I like to talk about is getting greening your staff along with their seasoned individuals. Okay, this is where if you're an incumbent, for example. And you've got people who have been around for some time and you're standing up to bid in the, the contract. You want to be able to say, how can I make this more competitive price wise? Well, you can green your staff. You're not going to green them right out of the box, but you can green them. In other words, bring in people who are less experienced, but still meet the qualifications so that you can begin over time to bring the price down as opposed to escalating the price. It's not just apply an escalation and go across the board. Another one that, I, and I'm going to give you some of these that are out there a little bit, Mark, okay? I like to talk about efficiencies and learning curves. If you are also the incumbent and you have been doing this work for some time, you want to be able to incorporate the efficiencies that you've learned in being the incumbent into your new bid. You should be keeping track of how you've been efficient, those learning curves, you do things faster um, than maybe you did at the beginning of the project. You need to document that information and incorporate that into your estimating and pricing. It's, it's basic, Mark. Um, I will talk about wrap rates because I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about wrap rates, but I'm going to talk about the one that's my favorite, and that is impacting G&A. Because you can do an impact of G&A on every single bid that you go after. This is where you've already established your business base for the year. You've done a budget at the beginning of the year. You know what your indirect rates are. And with each and every bid that you add, if it's new business, I will caveat that. If it's new business, Mark, then you're adding to your business base. You're increasing the denominator of how that GNA gets calculated by virtue of the fact that you win. If you win it, you're probably not increasing the amount of GNA expense that you will be adding on, if at all. And so you have the impact of lowering your GNA rate mark. This is where most companies can really make big inroads. The other one is uh, yes, there's profit, if I didn't talk about that then I'd be remiss as well. But my point about profit is it's not your only tool. Your wrap rates and your profit are not your only two tools. There are two of 27 that I give you in this book. Profit does need to be assessed unemotionally. I know that some companies have a minimum profit margin. Uh, take a look at it. I give you a worksheet in here of how you can use a profit analysis to come up with what your profit ought to be. It's a very important tool that DOD uses. It's called Weighted Guidelines. DOE has it. NASA has it. All of these 
use it. Take an unemotional look at your profit margin. It allows you to take a look at risk. It allows you to assess the weight of your technical and your um, management control. It, it, it allows you to talk about the risk of the contract type. It's huge. Take a look at it, use it. Don't relegate it back to the corner when you're only doing DOD pricing, Mark. Those are just a few, Mark, okay? Those are just a few. But yeah, well, like you said, there's 27. <laughs> there's 27. I could go on about it. Uh, I will say one other thing. Let me just hit on one. Your teammates' pricing. Your teammates are, how could I say this, are your biggest asset or your biggest anchor, okay? They can wreck the price or they can help you win. Make sure, like I talked about earlier, when you have those early discussions with them, find out are they a hanger-on or are they a participant in the win. If they're a participant in the win, then you have to make sure that you talk about pricing with them and actually have meaningful, productive pricing discussions, Mark. Okay? Okay. We've got about five minutes left here, and I want to I get the uh, uh, pricing secrets to stand out, put the power in pricing. So give me, give me a few highlights here, okay. like your value prop. Value proposition is critical to building your PAL, okay? What do I mean by that? Presumably, everybody who's working on the project is also focused not only on what you're presenting technically and price-wise, but you're trying to assess what it is that you bring to this customer in this situation that's of value to them, them being the customer, not the great things that you do and how wonderful you are, but you know what it is that the customer values, right? Maybe they want to, for example, maybe they want to help the schedule that they have set up for you uh, along to make it better, quicker, faster. Um, one of the illustrations I give you in, in this book was an illustration of a, a, a deliverable that was supposed to be in a year, 14 items, let's call it, okay? And we decided we were going to improve on that schedule. How do we do it? Well, the company made some investments in buying the long lead items up front that they were going to need. And it was going to cost them something to do that. And in order to do that, they were going to change the deliverables from a year down to 10 months, okay, as an example. How is that important? That sets you apart from your competition. Okay, what does that do? It means that you're able to meet the government's schedule faster, and that translates to dollars, or that changes maybe the percent improvement you can make in what you're doing. You're saving the government time, money, and resources. Those are the three things that you have to focus on when you come up with your value proposition. One of the things that I put in here that's the POW is that you dollarize those company investments or those savings and efficiencies that I talked about earlier, you dollarize it or you give them percent savings and you put that into an executive summary just for the business proposal, the cost proposal. It's a financial executive summary, Mark. And in it, there is a theme. There's a theme right out of the box. And it doesn't say we're pleased to submit this proposal. Okay. It's not necessarily, how could I put this? 
it it's a thematic statement that will hit home with the evaluator about how much value you as a contractor bring in dollars and cents or in percent savings that you can highlight right in the executive summary of that volume. Now, Mark, I will tell you, a lot of my clients push back and they'll say, but we're not required to put an executive summary in this volume. They're not asking for it, Marsha. And I usually say, so what? I'm pretty sharp about that. Um, because you don't have a page limitation, probably, most of the time. If you don't like to call it an executive summary, then call it an introduction. Call it what you want to call it, but give them in that executive summary the things that you want them to come away with. Maybe a visual, maybe action captions. You also want to be able to translate some of the tables that you put into here into something visual that will stick home with the evaluator. One picture remembers worth a thousand words. So if you can give them a picture that portrays that savings or portrays that dollar value that they're going to get by choosing you, then you've left an indelible mark on the evaluator, Mark. Cool. Uh, Marcia, unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, I mean, we could go on and on. We, could. Could, go, we could go back to the, the 27 points um in in the toolbox um boy there's just so much here so first and foremost thank you for writing this and thank you for being on the show to talk about it thank you mark for having me i'm pleased to share my enthusiasm for the federal government contracting world out there uh you know it 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 shows and I appreciate it and it shows uh in in how you write this book because there, again there's so much stuff in here. Uh and I and I'll say again, if you don't have this book in your library yet, please go out and get Secrets of Strategic Pricing for Government Contractors. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. This is not my day job. I do advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government. And and some of it's kind of related to this because, you know, there's a lot of marketing that should go on well before the uh, the RFP comes out as well. So, uh, but I focus on building subject matter expert platforms for my clients, and that involves uh, content marketing, differentiation, things that that are also discussed in here, and and leveraging. And this isn't discussed in here but I mentioned it kind of early, leveraging LinkedIn to to get your execs involved in positioning your company in the market to win more business. If that resonates at all, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. Find Marsha and I both on LinkedIn. And thank you for listening to Amtower Off Center. You've been listening to Amtower Off-Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.